Hi, and welcome to Toby and Friends, the virtual campfire for knowledge sharing. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Sadly, Confucius never had a podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to share knowledge with friends. No agenda, no sponsors, just coming up with solutions to the most pressing problems of our modern times. Do you have a question for Toby or his guests? Email tobyrookard at substack.com or put your question in the comments. Now, welcome to Toby and Friends. Hey, Alexander, how are you? Toby, hi. I'm fine. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yes, of course. It's the beginning of every good conversation that we used to have in, in uh, well over two decades now. First things first. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, especially these days, a lot of people are struggling with all sorts of mental fog. So I think, you know, and hopefully we will find some uh, ways and means in this conversation um, to, you know, to help people directly or indirectly with this. But perhaps just as a as a quick introduction, I mean, we know each other for, for a really long time. I've come to know you as one of the top leaders um, in Europe about, maybe not Europe, maybe worldwide, about uh, health and light um, over the past two decades. Um, for the listeners, my wife uh, was writing a very special report about the effects of health um, or the effects of light on health and well-being. And in our research, we found Dr. Alexander Wunsch, who is uh, based in Heidelberg in Germany and uh, who has become a very dear friend uh, over the years and uh, who has been a real mentor in that field for us. So we hope we can share some of those information and, and knowledge uh, in this conversation as well. So, uh, Alexander, uh, what did you actually get into the topic of light initially? What, what was your trigger moment? Sorry, Toby. First, one correction. I'm not located in Heidelberg anymore. Are you? In the meantime, I live in uh, Rhineland-Palatine, in Hasloch um, Weinstraße, which is a beautiful um, area here in Germany with um, fair weather conditions and so on. So just just as a fair enough um, short uh, or um, a little correction. So what did uh, so I thought me... I could protect your privacy there but that didn't go well <laughs> no this didn't go well <laughs> anyhow so the the main main question is really i mean you know now you have a legacy in light and health and research in in those fields um and a few others which we will discover later but um what was the i would say pivotal moment or the trigger that that uh, sparked literally your interest in researching light more deeply um, I think the the um, primordial trigger was uh, already in school, mm -hmm. the days when I went to school, that I just didn't like the lighting conditions there. Uh -huh. Especially when I got to high school, there were these fluorescent lamps almost everywhere. And I just didn't like them. I didn't feel well under these uh, lighting conditions. And so the first mm, thorough idea I got uh, from scientific sources uh, was when, when I was studying medicine at the university and mm -hmm. uh, in ophthalmology, we had a textbook which was recommended by our professor from um, Fritz Holwig, mm -hmm. who was uh, a German um, professor for internal medicine and ophthalmology and 
he was mandating lighting conditions, artificial lighting conditions, um, either without fluorescent lamps or mm, in combination with incandescent lamps. So he was mandating uh, two technolo technologies for mm -hmm. healthy lighting, which was fluorescent plus um, incandescent in combination so in order to provide a full spectrum. What was his reason for providing two different uh, setups initially? Yeah, he wanted he wanted to uh, provide <clears throat> a full spectrum and the cold light coming from fluorescent lamps uh, is lacking uh, a large amount or a big part of the of the necessary spectrum we need for maintaining, for example, our ocular health. And so um, the fluorescent lamps um, provide a kind of fake light, which um, a basic nothing, brightness, you could say, a basic nothing. Brightness. It's, it's brightness only, yeah. mm -hmm. but not um, biologically valuable mm -hmm. uh, light. So he did uh, <clears throat> a lot of experiments in the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s. For example, he exposed students to daylight mm -hmm. or um, fluorescent lamp light mm -hmm. and was able to demonstrate that um, the fluorescent lamps were responsible for a significant increase of stress hormones mm -hmm. in the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. which is which is not mm, a desirable situation in order to maintaining health in long-term uh, point of view. Alexander, do you think this is purely because of the, the, the light spectrum or is it also because of the um, ballasts, you know, that were used at the time or a combination thereof? And uh, as a second follow-up question, do you think the same holds true for the LED technology today? Um, last question first, uh, LED lamps we use for general lighting nowadays are also fluorescent lamps and they also produce cold light. And so uh, a lot of problems have been taken over or uh, we carry still the same problems Fritz Holwisch found in the 1960s and 70s um, with the latest lighting technology. One of the reasons is that the industry did not listen to Fritz Holwisch. Um, they didn't want to learn um, about the, the reasons why, why he found that um, you get completely different uh, biological response under different lighting situations. And so, yes, uh, I think the general lighting appliances today uh, kind of carry the same uh, negative load we already knew or some of us already knew from the fluorescent lamps um, from the mercury discharge lamps we used um, until yeah to date uh, in the meantime they have been phased out but in some places uh, you still can find them and this is uh, a light for um, industry halls where only robots are so that their cameras um, would work um, 
sufficiently, but it's not uh, lighting which is recommended uh, for humans. For not biologically humans. compatible or biologically um, adaptable by the human. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's just it's just brightness for vision purposes. But we know in the meantime that it's not only vision which is featured by the environmental light but also um, almost every um, process in the vegetative system every um, sympathetic parasympathetic um, process in our body and especially the the balance between these two uh, antagonistic states um, are controlled by the light light code from our environment and our organism since uh, since eons is trained and trained to decode the information which is encoded in the natural light sources i'll come back to this in a minute um, because i think this will nicely lead us to to another uh, subject uh, near and dear to your heart but um um, just coming back to the original question, um, the first one on that, um, when you look at the ballasts, um, when Holwig did those, um, uh, when he did this scientific research at the time, I mean, equally today, one could argue, if, if you look into the sun, which is very difficult and impossible to do and not necessarily directly recommended, um, you know, you don't necessarily see that kind of flicker that those old... Um, I would say um, fluorescent lights had, and um, to a different degree than maybe LED also has or doesn't have. Um, I'm just trying to capture whether the frequency of the flickering also exposes, uh, you know, not just our visual, but perhaps also our more subtle systems to a certain form of stresses, which, um, you know, which are not necessarily um, acknowledged in, 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 in most sciences? I think uh, Holvich did not distinguish between uh, the different aspects of electromagnetic radiation, which comes from the ballasts, um, the portion of flicker. Um, maybe flicker is uh, an aspect he, in a way, did address. And the the industry tried to um remove the flicker from the fluorescent lamps by looking for or developing phosphors which uh, show a typical afterglow of one hundredth of a second so that the discharge action is kind of buffered and um, a lot of flicker is removed from the final light emission by uh, photochemical means mm -hmm. but this for example does not apply uh, to the today's fluorescent lamps to the leds they their em emission is not buffered they do not use um, buffering phosphors mm -hmm. and so flicker is uh, for sure a crucial parameter mm -hmm. if you look out for healthy light Mm -hmm. maybe from even from leds uh, you should look for mm, complete removal of the flicker aspect mm -hmm. 
-hmm. which is not so easy for the lay person because you need um, measuring instruments to mm -hmm. uh, to find out um, if there is any flicker uh, contained in the emission or not. But uh, when we talk about um, light and lighting, we not only talk about um, the brightness or the visibility, we also talk about the invisible part of the spectrum in the short wavelength range. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, we know that UVB is crucial for vitamin D production. We know that uh, ultraviolet A is important for controlling certain circulatory um, aspects mm -hmm. in, in our um, circulatory system, for example, um, which amount of, of blood can stay within the the dermal layers of mm -hmm. our skin which has a consequence uh, upon blood pressure just as an example and mm -hmm. we know that the invisible part of the spectrum the infrared in the long wavelength um, end of the rainbow is also important uh, for maintaining health and also for example helping our um, metabolical system to maintain uh, or our organism to maintain our body temperature. Because mm -hmm. if we were not able to take up um, mm -hmm. heat yeah. radiation from our environment, we would have to eat uh, three times more just mm -hmm. for heating purposes uh, to keep our uh, body temperature on a 310 Kelvin level. That's a very nice example. Do. I mean, that, that certainly machines have an advantage in that sense. <laughs> Don't yeah. need that kind of temperature to keep running. I mean, from, yeah, yeah. from a different perspective. Yeah. So mm -hmm. one can see that human and machine uh, along these lines, and I think you were the one mentioning this to me, are quite uh, incompatible uh, from, from a sheer humidity and temperature aspect alone, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so just to summarize a little bit on the light, so there is this aspect of, of quantity um, uh, where maybe there's a minimum uh, needed to, to see. Then there's that aspect of quality, which comes, which comes back to the spectrum and the biological compatibility with, with uh, you know, an Aaron's uh, uh, old uh, human nature, so to speak. And then there's the invisible side that you have just alluded to with the example of vitamin D production, UVA, UVB, and, and also the infrared side of things. So I think that's very interesting. We also covered a little bit on the, on the flickering side, which for me also goes back to the aspect of, of frequencies or a different form, like you mentioned it, of electromagnetic radiation. And I'm going to include in this post one of the charts that you have kindly shared with me, which, which shows just how little we understand how or how much we understand, but how little we really see uh, with our human senses of that um, globally detectable um, electromagnetic spectrum when we consider it, you know, uh, from uh, from really basic, very very basic um, waves, um, sound waves, all the way, you know, to to all sorts of of cosmic radiation. By the way, on the on the aspect of sound. Um, you had mentioned that uh, sound is also one of your big uh, chapters in life. I, I remember that, I think it was Tesla 
who once said that light is nothing but sound in a different medium or element. Don't know whether I quote that uh, perfectly correctly. So, um, you know, forgive me if it's not perfect, but I think there is a deep relationship between the two, how they interact with each other and how that ultimately affects the complete human being. So maybe you want to want to say uh, something about, you know, the aspect of sound and, and the interaction with light and, and yes, how, how it affects the human being and what was your um, eye opener or ear opener to the, to the uh, researching of sound as well. Um, today, this morning, I came across um, a, a short report um, about interaction between lasers and ultrasonic uh, sound. Um, for the very strong lasers in the gigawatt range, the problem is that lenses or mirrors are kind of degraded by this um, sheer photonic energy from strong lasers wow. and so they found out that they can use ultrasonic um, sound fields for controlling the lasers um, using sound instead of mirrors or lenses i which, surely need that link you know that right <laughs> which, which definitely shows that there is an interaction and <clears throat> i think something like this never has been described before Mm -hmm. this detail uh, but my um, strong belief is that we um, find all the emanations of, of quantum physics and interaction between electromagnetic radiation in the different um, ranges or areas of, of the electromagnetic spectrum all these processes in principle can be also found in our human body in our cells for example photonic crystals for example interaction between light and sound we have the the photoacoustic um, aspects which mm -hmm. means that it's possible on, on the microscopic uh, subatomer or atomer or molecular level um, that you can um, transform photons into phonons which are oh. which are the representation of of uh, these small energy packages in, in the in the world of sound and mm -hmm. vice versa mm -hmm. very interesting so um <clears throat> we have for example the melanin uh, pigment which is not only um, capable of of uh, filtering the solar radiation in our skin we also have loads of uh, molecules melanin molecules within our central nervous system and if you want if you have an, a, a light emitter and for sure um, several processes mm -hmm. in our body processes which are linked to uh, biological um, reactions they emanate or emit light mm -hmm. and if you <clears throat> If you think about a network of, of light emission, even in a single cell, you need also, you don't need only emitters, you also need receivers for light. And um, besides the DNA, the melanin molecule as a black pigment uh, mm. acts as an antenna okay. yeah, for yeah. photons. <clears throat> and each time 
the melanin molecule captures a photon, uh, the energy can be transformed into a vibrational process. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so we have a kind of um, informational uh, pathway in our body um, comprising light emitters and light absorb absorbers. Mm -hmm. And here we have, for example, uh, mitochondria, we have DNA. On the other hand, we have mitochondria and DNA not only as emitters, but also as uh, absorbers. Mm -hmm. But in order to transfer uh, photonic energy onto membranes, the melanin molecule plays a crucial role in this context. Very interesting. So, so but could we also say then that, um, you know, light um also i mean light almost speaks to the chromosomes versus sound more speaks to the dna directly in a way um for me it's a little bit difficult to distinguish between chromosomes and and dna because sure. um I mean, it's at a different level so to speak yeah i mean yeah the I think when we step back to this chart you were mentioning, uh, mm -hmm. demonstrating some of the important uh, properties of the electromagnetic spectrum, um, that there is a reason that uh, our organism has sensory organs for very high frequencies in the electromagnetic spectrum mm -hmm. in terms of uh, for the UV part, we have chemical molecules which are photochemically active in our skin, for example, vitamin D. But mm -hmm. the most important uh, sensory organs, of course, are our eyes, which are able to capture the very, very high frequencies in the part of the optical spectrum, the visible light in, mm -hmm. in form of colors. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, on, on the on the other end of the electromagnetic spectrum, so to say, we we have the tactile um, vib vibration detectors. For example, in our skin, we have our ears, and so there is uh, the kind of full spectrum, which is which is um, evaluated on both ends of the uh, electromagnetic spectrum. The long the short uh, wavelength and the long wavelength part so to say and everything which is uh, lying in between kind of uh, sorts itself into this um, grid mm -hmm. so our sensory organs are not made for <clears throat> detecting every detail between the uh, two ends of a given spectrum but uh, our, our organism is kind of attuned to this um, coherent state in the electromagnetic emanations, which so, means if you have a slow emanation or a slow process, you will get uh, higher and lower octaves um, as well, kind of overtones or um, infra uh frequent processes as well so there is a kind of logic um, behind the um, detectable uh, occurrences within this electromagnetic spectrum and this does 
this gives our organism the chance to take one parameter and extrapolate from this parameter to the higher and lower frequencies. Hmm. I mean, there were a lot of interesting things you just mentioned. And it, something that's just going through my mind is because we mentioned the word full spectrum in the beginning uh, very quickly. Um, in a sense, we are full spectrum beings um, looking at this electromagnetic spectrum um, with, you know, the vibration and at the lower end. And then, you know, at, at the higher end, uh, the ability to detect, um, you know, these, these higher vibrations, um, you know, for example, um, via uh, via the vitamin D uh, or the the our eyes essentially you know um, so and everything in between as you said sorts itself out so I, I'm just thinking uh, a completely healthy human being would probably be able in an ideal scenario I mean this I just make this up as we go you might say this is not the case but I'm just picturing a completely healthy uh, a human being being able to both absorb with all these antennas uh, that are in place, maybe not all have been fully researched yet, and both absorb and also emit the entire electromagnetic spectrum within their range, potentially. And if there is no block, of course, this is a theory, if there's no block um, uh, and there is no over, I would say, you know, overactive area within that spectrum, maybe. It, there is no sickness there's no dis-ease yeah i i think this uh, explains um, at least in parts um, why i'm so interested in what i call coherence therapy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so 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 on that uh, let me just interrupt quickly uh, many years ago i think it was I don't know exactly, maybe it was 1999 or something like that, but it's a long time ago. Um, you showed me a, a, a sound bit, um, which at the time was new, which you had built yourself and um, which basically enabled uh, enabled us to, to feel the sound. And you mentioned something earlier, um, which, which was, you said, we have ears in our skin. Um, which what for the first time and now I remember when I laid on that bed for the first time I I literally felt hey hold on there are actually ears in my skin but I cannot explain um, how it works and but when I felt it I mean subsequently you know I, I I bought a number of of your sound bits because I think they are unparalleled um, uh, the way you manufacture them but putting that aside um, it really changed my perception towards that coherent therapy that you had just mentioned, because I was always into light and color and I looked into the Dinsha, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, therapy and, and system uh, and so on. But I always felt this, there's also something lacking. And with this idea of a complete spectrum, a complete human and a, a complete ability to, to both absorb and emit, combining light and sound and vibration in that sense, is just um, just very satisfying, both from a therapist as well as from a patient's point of view. So how did you, how did you get this idea of this uh, co coherent therapy? So um, my first step into the um, therapeutic potential of frequencies occurred uh, in the late nineteen eighties, 
and I invented a so-called cranial electrostimulation device, which produces very subtle electrical impulses. Um, you apply these impulses via ear clip electrodes. The brain man? Is that the, the brain, brain man? Okay. CES um, was this device. And I was uh, the quest uh, these days for me was to reproduce or to find natural frequencies and to reproduce these frequencies um, via the device I invented. And um, during, I started my journey with the Schumann resonance, which is um, a frequency found in, in our uh, planetary atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, there is also a number which can be um, told, it's, it's 7.83 hertz. And I wanted to experience exactly this frequency. And this was the driving force to develop the brain man these days, more than 30 years ago. And Why this frequency, Alexander? And, and, and has this frequency perhaps changed nowadays? It's something that I um, find. The, the Schumann resonance frequency, at least as far as I understood the whole principle, is dependent on the dimensions of uh, our planet. And as, as long as the dimension of the planet diameter or these things <laughs> does not change significant, significantly, the Schumann resonance will stay at least the, yeah. the, um, the basic frequency. But there are not only there's not only one Schumann resonance frequency, you have um, modes which are kind of um, in, in a spherical resonator, you don't find overtones. You find um, vibrational modes, which can be kind of compared to the overtones you would, for example, find in a stringed instrument. Mm -hmm. And these okay. overtones or um, higher modes, they can change depending on the degree of um, excitation of this mm -hmm. spherical resonator Earth mm -hmm. or atmosphere mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the basic frequency is dependent on the the diameter diameter of the earth and mm -hmm. the diameter of of the atmosphere and as long these parameters do not change the physical precondition for um, a change in the Schumann resonance is not really given at least as far as i understand it so so you wanted to tune into that I would say uh, planetary field, planetary field as a human living on this spaceship, so to speak, you really yeah. wanted to tune into that field. Then what, what, what happened? You, you achieved that with the brain man. What happened? So the, the reason why I wanted to, uh, to experience this was I, I had uh, read these days that, for example, in spaceships, spacecrafts, they uh, have Schumann resonators integrated because once you're outside of the planetary atmosphere, the Schumann resonance is not present anymore. Which would make and, sense. And this uh, would lead to a, um, kind of disorders, disharmony in the um, organismic processes. Mm 
mm-hmm. and would probably even lead to sickness or disease. Mm-hmm. And so I just became interested in in the the research of effects of frequencies, mm-hmm. and I had some. I had very personal experiences these days by using the frequencies. The it kind of acts as a modulation device as we could for example talk about photobiomodulation and here Mm -hmm. it's clear that the effects are uh, dependent on the um, the starting point the individual starting point when you start an experience let's Mm -hmm. say you have an overactivity the modulation devices would um, lower the activity and if you have an hypoactivity it will it would increase it and Mm -hmm. so it's very difficult to me to uh, to give uh, a forecast uh, regarding how something modulatory Mm -hmm. modulatory intervention would act upon uh, a certain human because Mm -hmm. it depends and uh, since we are talking about this complex network also frequencies all over the the electromagnetic radiation or frequency range um, you just give a kind of stimulatory um, impulse Mm -hmm. and what happens then depends on the um, current state of the person you are treating so it's highly sensitive to the individuals uh, yeah. human beings uh, yeah. perceptibility and state of mind state of body state you know overall state you could you could say and and perhaps the relationship with with nature or even universe at large very interesting that's why perhaps it's very difficult to replicate any of these experiences um in in a sign i mean you could probably argue you can you can everybody would probably have some form or shape of experience but they would greatly vary um because nobody is exactly alike and any- to, to make to make it clear it's it's not uh, completely erratic what happens what mm-hmm. will happen because okay. we all of us uh, con- contain an, an individual part Mm-hmm. and okay. uh, a non-individual part mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for example our vegetative functions they mm-hmm. require kind of um, common sense in a way that uh, we are all attuned to the 24 hours of the day mm-hmm. we all benefit from taking our food always at the same time of the day and so on and so on so yeah. we are all subject to <clears throat> to the astronomical rhythms to the lunar rhythms and so on and so on i think there are universal principles uh, there's a, a collective aspect to this all and there's an individual aspect to it right and i mean even yeah, if and they see... are competing and, and maybe maybe they're competing yeah, we, yeah. in school we learn that it's important to be an individual but our physiology is completely non-individual because it's kind of uh, it works um, better when we are kind of attuned to our to the environmental rhythms and frequencies 
I, I, I want to know which school you went to that encouraged you to be an individual, all the schools I went Yeah, to. it was in the last, uh, <laughs> not only century. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. I mean, schools are becoming more and more, you know, you have different individuals going in, the same type of person comes out. <laughs> Sorry, schools. <laughs> but um, I, I have a bit of, a, you know, uh, my own experiences in, in that field. So putting the personal uh, uh, things aside, yes, I, I completely, uh, I, I think I completely understand where, where you're coming from um, and so the experience is very and yours were very personal um, but without you know um, going too deep into your in, into the personal aspect of, of uh, your experience which I totally understand but I think you did share with me that this was also one of the inceptions of your your ability to invent things yeah, the the first the first uh, experience with um, the Schumann resonance, in fact, was I was uh, kind of it, it felt like kind of falling asleep or into a trance state. So I did not uh, sleep, but um, if you would have looked upon me from outside. Uh, it would have appeared as uh, me being asleep, but my brain was highly active, and I was uh, I was kind of flying through uh, a structure. Mm -hmm. mm, I was really impressed by this structure, and I experienced the structure um, in the way of flying through the different layers. And um, I think two or three days later, I created um, uh, a lamp with that very same structure design, which which resembled exactly this structure. And um, for sure, I can say that the um, the application of these um, electromagnetic impulses. Um, improved some of my brain functions mm -hmm. significantly mm -hmm. for example um, the mastering of matter in terms of being able to create uh, a mental machine letting it run and see uh, where it would degrade or uh, where would be the weak parts which probably mm -hmm. would would show malfunction these things um also learning ability i mean the... just on that I, I i heard that tesla was able to do that you know when he invented stuff he literally could could picture the entire invention the machine how it would run um you know and and sort of all the faults before he really started to to uh, um, you know, to to essentially build it, and the same holds true um, for Mozart. I mean, he was one of those composers who literally saw and heard the entire symphony and then wrote it down. By the time it was uh, finished, he didn't have to do almost any corrections. So I think there is such a state of mind that people can tap into, and perhaps it's the it's the resonant frequencies that you have, you know, that sort of made click uh in your mind perhaps in your brain even i mean i've just wrote an article about meditation and when researching the different um frequencies there i mean you know there are alpha beta uh, delta theta etc so i don't know which state you describe probably it sounds to me a bit more like a 
theta state, right, where you would appear like sleeping, but you're not. Um, but um, yeah, anyway, I mean, this is just on, on a side note. I think it's it's very scientific and it would be very interesting for just coming back to the aspect of schools. I mean, there are so many uh, children uh, and students with learning disabilities um, or difficulties in learning, not even disabilities. Maybe the word this here is just uh, a lack of, of tapping into that particular resonance, right? Um, so, I mean, maybe you should dig out that brain man and see what you can do with it for others in the future. <laughs> maybe I already did it uh, in a certain way, but uh, this is something I cannot disclose today. But when, when I think uh, about the typical classroom, then it does not promote um, learning in several instances because we know we have different types of learning. One is kind of uh, accidental or immediate learning where something uh, threatening kind of threatening thing happens to you um, and your brain memorizes each and every aspect of this particular moment like uh, kind of programming so all the the sense the uh, the smells the the sound is kind of imprinted mm -hmm, mm. in this very moment but this is not uh, the way you can learn the things you have to learn in school mm, in school or university it's more the repetitive learning yeah, yeah. which is required and um, retrieving what you uh, have learned is another crucial aspect of course mm. and so um, we know from brain research that the alpha state is the ideal learning frequency range for our brain and the alpha state is free of stress and when i think back um, to the lighting situation in my own school and also right. in the in right. the school my son uh, went to then they had this uh, they had uh, fluorescent lighting with 8000 kelvin so a bluish white very intensely bright light in the classroom mm. which sets your system mm, into stress and uh, removes all the alpha states which would be required for uh, that type of learning. high efficiency learning. So the preconditions to uh, to learn properly and um, th they are just not given anymore in this many, many places. That makes a lot of sense. I, I saw some smaller devices that pe some people carry. Uh, they have only like four buttons or so where they can select the... Uh, um, like alpha, um, yeah, alpha, delta, and theta. I saw, um, and and depending on the, you know, on on the on the occasion or the activity at hand, um, they just change the the frequency. Probably a, a life hack uh, that they're using. I don't know the exact device. I'm gonna find out. Perhaps you can you can also you know share some thoughts on that. But um, uh, as as I've heard indirectly, you're also working on a similar concept. So I'll be happy to you know to uh, put this in the in the blog even when it's when it's ready. But basically, um, you have actually emphasized you know the aspect of light 
sound and how frequencies or the resonance with certain frequencies has triggered you to become an inventor. Um, you have mentioned uh, the invention of uh, of Brain Man, Soundbed. I know you have done so many different lighting devices as well. Um, but on a very different level, not uh, in terms of health, I would be curious, um, do you think that the origin of innovation is perhaps a state of mind where maybe that it's, it's a bit philosophical, right? But where the universe wants to manifest something at that point in time and just manages to find that human being who can go into resonance with, with that invention. To me, this is the only um, realistic explanation for the fact that important inventions are made simultaneously by different people. So mm -hmm. it's in the field, it's in the air, uh, and some individuals are able to pick, to tune in into this particular field, and some are the ones who are able to realize these, bring these things into, into reality. And then there are others who make money with it. <laughs> which which not everybody is equipped with the ability to tune in but then also manage the worldly aspects of commercializing that 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 you know inception so to speak i think it's a very rare uh, combination if a human is able to tune in and to be commercial commercially uh, <clears throat> successful at the same time because I, yeah. these two worlds um, are not um, linked together that intensely as it should be uh, in my ideal world. That, that's because you get the ideas like me and uh, you have the same trouble commercializing them. I know it. I can <laughs> see that from, from your comment. But you know, you're quite right. Uh, now we are deeply into philosophy here, but um, I think you're you're absolutely right, and and it merits some some thoughts uh, a little bit more on that because I mean the reality is um, I think you need and I mean I don't mean this in any way in a in a religious way, but you need a decent form of purity or maybe purity is the wrong word a decent form of pure focus um, that's the better word to to tune into and incept such an idea in its entirety, right? Um, but in order to execute a commercial success with this, it's like, like you said, it's like a completely different world. And rarely when you, when you have that um, pure focus in one direction, you can, you can almost scatter your focus uh, on the commercial side because um, it's, it's just, it's almost like on the opposite ends of, of the spectrum. I mean, I I applied for uh, 18 patterns myself um, and, and I know how hard it is to take it from the idea to the product, to the solution, to get someone to pay for it. Uh, it's just, and again, I also, what you described, I have the same experience. If you actually get it to that point, then there are suddenly a number of other people that you didn't know a year ago that did it somewhere else in the world with pretty much the same idea and it's, it's like somewhere in the field and it's impossible uh, to predict who is going to make the race. I mean, at least not from my perspective, right? And perhaps nature intended it that way because there is a certain 
innovation technology um, evolutionary need uh, at a particular point in time and we are nothing but the instruments uh, you know for this to happen whether or not we have a personal gain from it right i mean but anyway i'm getting a bit sidetracked there but i just thought <laughs> i'll share my own experience here as well yeah i i totally agree this uh, experience describes your personal experience describes pretty well what i experienced also and um, important inventions are always made uh, several times for example when you think about the eye Mm. Uh, the principle of of an eye which is able to capture electromagnetic radiation right, right. in exactly this range of the spectrum where we have the highest output um, of our most important light source the sun mm. so the uh, all the different um, building plans of of an eye you can find uh, on planet earth Mm. Uh, all have the same purpose of providing optimal orientation in time and space for the particular um, creature which has developed uh, this particular sensor mm -hmm. and so um, since we are all made from dna um, you you can kind of expect that uh, the same pattern of uh, evolution or invention can be seen on the different levels of the emanations of life mm. so in our society as well as when we look, look at ants or whatever so dna all is made from dna and so the same principles apply the dna is the master of coherence in a way because there is no loss or no gain uh, which would not be coupled or linked together in the dna world in my understanding so let's come back to that coherence of dna but before we do um i was at a conference last week it was very interesting it, it it's about you know it was a conference about world peace spirituality science research a combination of all these factors and um and one person raised the question um, what's life and i thought oh boy um you should know that answer <laughs> call yourself a polymath don't have a good answer to what's life but then i realized there are many aspects to life if you look at the entire electromagnetic spectrum uh, to which a human not necessarily has all the senses i mean in, in cosmic radiation there might be beings that are full of life which we don't consider life uh, if you know where I'm coming from, but to them, if they live within their own domain, within their own electromagnetic spectrum, maybe it appears to us as solar radiation, you know, but what do we know? Um, and and I, that, I, I think that's not crazy. That's just, you can disprove it or you can prove it. Neither way at the moment is possible. Um, and putting this aside, um, this person then also made a comment and said, uh, well, DNA just like what you mentioned, everything is DNA, but is DNA life? DNA itself is a building block, sure, but uh, is it life itself? His answer was surely not. Uh, it's like similar, like that matter. So I would be very curious be before we go into the coherence aspect of it, what, what, what do you think is life in relationship to DNA? 
Um, I would agree that there is life which is not based upon DNA, but I think which is um, which is common to all life forms. In, in my understanding, is that uh, they are able to um, invert the thermodynamical uh, direction which is physically given mm -hmm. so, which would be the direction from order to chaos mm -hmm. and life uh, life forms have to be able to invert this direction and create order in a thermodynamically chaotic environment more or less mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. building up order and uh, from that per perspective, uh, you can find life forms in the anorganic world as well as the, in the organic world. The, the crucial aspect is to be able to increase order mm -hmm. um, and using the energy flow, the thing or the being is embedded into um to increase order instead mm -hmm. of going into the direction of chaos mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and from a, if you look at it from a biological perspective uh, if you put the anorganic side uh, away for a second and you know the different uh, spectrum that i had alluded to um if we purely look at it from a biological perspective the dna i mean there has to be uh, I would almost call it, there has to be some kind of a mind-matter connection uh, to, you know, to instill life or life force um, into that uh, matter for a DNA to even um, react, uh, possibly, right? Um, oh. But I'm, I'm curious what you will say. Um, <clears throat> this, mm, I just had to think about um, <clears throat> how inventions occur mm -hmm. in a way uh, an inventor um, has to be dissatisfied mm -hmm. by the things as they are in mm -hmm. his environment mm -hmm. and in a way even a molecule or an atom or a photon has to be dissatisfied mm -hmm. with the uh, thermodynamical uh, energy flow from order to chaos mm. otherwise if there is, is is there if there is no dissatisfaction no trigger then there is no trigger to invert the uh, pre-programmed direction so for example <clears throat> when you I'm convinced, for example, that um, even, for example, plants, if they want to uh, grow against uh, gravity, mm -hmm. they have to surf uh, on a wave which has the opposite direction mm -hmm. uh, of growth. So sunlight gives you um direction but it's kind of opposite to the rotation of the matter mm -hmm. and so it's kind mm -hmm. of surfing against gravity mm -hmm. which is the 
precondition of growing and moving yourself uh, up from the ground. It's an implosion concept almost in a different way. Yeah. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So now coming back to that coherence, yeah, with that said, um, I think vibration, sound, light, different, different electromagnetic frequencies, all impacting um, life, matter, DNA, mind as we know it. Um, you, you came up with this how many years ago? I started my journey into the world of frequencies, I think, in 1988 or 1989. Mm -hmm. And um, in the early 90s, I thought it must be fantastic to have uh, to be able to experience um, the brain waves uh, in synchronicity with the uh, or simultaneously with with the sounds from a vibrating vibrating bed and being in a in a room which is only enlightened by uh, a color which fits into this vibrational pattern and mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. the law of dimensional resonance so to speak yeah yeah multisensorial multisensorial yeah that's the better word and and you know this actually i find that interesting uh, because um i mean my wife and i we are also into all sorts of health and and uh, wellness and um, treatments in in the sense and um, when you she's a health coach so many times when you when you see the when you see a disease or a disorder and you i wouldn't call it attack you you treat it or you address it is perhaps the best term uh, on one level say you would address it through the aspects of color uh, in the case of for example psychosomatics or so um, the disease ha almost has like its own intelligence it shifts to a different place or a different level um, maybe the next time the disease shows in a, in a different way in the form of a different emotion then suddenly you feel okay now I could use for example, a specific music, just as an or sound wave, just as an example. But what I like about this concept of of holistic coherence, uh, I would say, is that that you, you you kind of hit the disorder from all sides at once, and you kind of force harmony upon it <laughs> or order upon it. Um, and whether that's Really, what happens practically, I don't know, but I think what happens is it puts the body, mind, spirit in a in a in a in a in a place where it has the ability to heal itself, right? Um, it's like a reset in in a, in a nutshell. And and yeah, I, I would I would interfere at one point, yes, and uh, this is to force because yes. force always creates uh, counterforce. Yeah. Right. I would feel much more comfortable uh, to offer or the, encourage the potential <laughs> or encourage yeah. the, the to offer the harmon harmonious state mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and not to try to enforce it because the we we did a lot of theoretical um, talking up mm. to now mm. in in our in our conversation mm. 
and um, what kind of falls uh, or does not really um, come clear is that um, taking a color bath, mm -hmm. taking a sun bath, mm -hmm. um, using a sound table uh, is pure uh, pleasure to most right. of us. Yes, yes. So it just feels it just feels very cozy, comfortable. Um, it just feels good. Almost natural. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and if something feels good, you don't need to apply force. This is uh, on a philosophical uh, level again, if an iPhone provides a lot of comfort, people ha don't have to be forced mm, mm. to get one. <laughs> so uh, this is, I think, the <clears throat> if we can offer um, teasers, Mm -hmm. which um, simply feel good, the probability that people want to do it again and again uh, is pretty high. And I think this is key to all these biophys biophysical interventions that you have to do them on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean that not not without reason. It says prevention is better than cure in that sense, right? I mean, yeah, and <clears throat> prevention is also always uh, goes along with um, with the modification of habits. And yeah, but it's pleasurable prevention. It's not something you know. A prevention is often associated like like using again the word force with forcing yourself to do something. Yeah, and I don't I think, think that this is really a, it's, a it's sustainable very, concept. No, it's not. Prevention totally will work if it's yeah. pleasurable, if yeah. it makes you feel good. And this is the best precondition uh, for regular uh, application. And the, the most important, um, it's the nudging thing, which is important. It's not the force. It's the... Wouldn't you like to have this again? Did it feel good? I mean, I can I can totally relate. I mean, the system that you basically set up for us uh, in in our homes, right? I mean, it's I, I wouldn't call it a med bed, but it's, it certainly has the building blocks to to a med bed. And if, you know, with the vibration, the sound, the light, the 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 temperature, and and you know, the invisible lights, everything, right? I mean, without going into detail, I think if people are interested uh, um, we can we can give them the details to contact you later but the the point of the matter to me is you know it's it's become so i would say so natural and so desirable just to spend you know half an hour or an hour by myself um with that equipment um because you you could literally you feel the difference before and after so that if i miss it a day or two it's like almost there's a, there's a trigger saying hey what are you doing? Why you want to miss out? Right? I mean, and, and there is no, it's not like, you know, you're consuming a drug or, you know, you're, you're, you're doing anything that has detrimental effects to your body. No, not at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can totally relate to those uh, pleasurable effects and, 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 and the positive endorsement that goes with it. 
that makes complete sense to me. And um, I think, you know, the, you know, the, the, the big question is whether perhaps that is the foundation of a new type of therapy or even medicine that I think personally, in my opinion, if everyone had that at home, I mean, there would be so much less uh, uh, dis-ease uh, around the world. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair um, enough. Yeah, but I mean, just just uh, uh, coming coming almost to to an end because I think you know we we want to keep it uh, crisp and we can always do um, follow ups in in greater detail depending on which subjects people are interested later. Um, do you have like just a couple of examples that really stunned you in terms of results by using this? coherence uh, therapy or coherence approach um, um, that would be one question and um, if people wanted wanted your help you know to build something like that in their home setting up light sound uh, sound table etc um, would it be okay if I gave them uh, your contact details afterwards I think these these are the two points I want to cover before we conclude here um Last question first, of course, it's okay. I'm uh, consulting not only uh, industry, but also mm, private persons who are interested in um, stepping into this world of frequencies and coherence. And um, it's very difficult to me to uh, point out uh, single um examples because it's my standard approach if i do health coaching and i think this is uh, i do counseling health counseling mm -hmm. um since i am on this uh, therapeutical pathway mm -hmm. and for me it's standard to for example make a color uh, assessment um, which colors would people prefer and dislike mm -hmm. for example mm -hmm. like a personality test uh, i i do uh, a color-based personality test the mm -hmm. lucia test mm -hmm. uh, as a standard um, procedure when i see a person mm -hmm. first and mm -hmm. also after a certain while in order to evaluate uh, if there have been any changes and my idea of uh, being therapeutically active is more uh, like being a guide, giving mm. recommendations, evaluating um, which processes in feeling, thinking, acting can be um, modulated and optimized. And on this path, the... Um, the experience of mm, the sound bed together with colors, probably together with craniosacral uh, manipul manipulations or therapy um, is to me, it's kind of standard. So mm, it's the whole package which uh, enables patients to change their lives in a way that they feel better and in a way that it's more sustainable mm. what they do regarding their health. Um, I try world. to encourage them to, mm -hmm. to 
um, to start uh, or restart their self-regulatory processes um, instead of making themselves dependent on, mm -hmm. for example, regular intake of medication. So at some point they will be able to help themselves and ideally they don't have to call you at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes that makes complete sense. Um, and I think this is one of the aspects of real independence. And when people talk about freedom, uh, you know, this is something, you know, as, as, a, as a collective, uh, most people uh, have, have almost lost uh, the ability uh, to not outsource health to someone else, uh, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's just impossible to do that because it's health is within you. Um, uh, but perhaps you need a nudge or a help or some knowledge or some trigger, you know, uh, to help you find it. And I think this, this type of uh, coherence is exactly um, what the world at large, um, going beyond an individual aspect of therapy, could need at the moment <laughs> when we look at, uh, you know, these uh, uh, almost, I would say, bipolar um, uh, financial, geopolitical and, and other types of moves that we see. But um, Alexander, thank you so much uh, for your time. Um, I'll be very happy to, to share your details to those who, who have expressed interest. Um, I can recommend anyone. I mean, if, if, you, if you don't know uh, what to do, but uh, if you have a few dollars to spare, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend you to, to uh, get one sound bit built custom to you because it literally changed uh, my life and that of my family. So um, it's, in my opinion, that's a, a priceless item to have in the home um, for all sorts of, of conditions. And um, yeah, I, I think, you know, if, if there are any follow-up questions, uh, I'd be happy to include them um, as a separate post um, and um, hope to have you with me um, for that one on light, color and health as well. Yeah, thank I have you. to thank you, Toby, very much for giving me uh, the chance to talk about um, these things, which are so close to my heart. And uh, yeah, I look forward to any resonance which uh, has been created by our conversation today. Yes, I think everybody can feel you're super, super passionate about this. And not only that, you also know what you're doing. I think this is this combination makes it so great. Thank you. Thank you, Alexander. Thank Have you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thank you for joining this episode of Toby and Friends. Have a question? Want to share your knowledge? Let us know in the comments. And reminder, premium subscribers get access to all Toby and Friends videos. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Toby and Friends.